This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, Hunting, Shooting and Fishing Radio. Great to have you back for another episode. Today we're going to be talking with Jason Menzies from Liquid Antler. Now you can check him out on Instagram, you can check him out uh, mainly on YouTube. Makes some really, really fantastic videos on his hunting adventures. Now, I guess he's been making videos for a little bit of time now. And uh, if you're in from Queensland, you like red deer hunting, you like four-wheel drive stuff, uh, all that sort of stuff, you're going to find it uh, on his channel. And, and you know what? He does a really, really fantastic job uh, in editing and you know, basically showing you a perspective of what it's like to hunt not only in Queensland, but also in state forests in New South Wales. So it's going to be awesome to uh, have him on the show today. And I hope everyone's been liking all the shows. My numbers have been increasing uh, really well, so I'm really happy with how the podcast is going. Uh, 10 years, just over 10 years now, we've been podcasting here uh, on hunting, shooting, fishing and politics for, God, it, it feels like forever. But it feels so quick too, all at the same time. It's it really is an interesting thing, that's for sure. And uh, again, I just want to thank all the people that support the show. Uh, you guys know who you are, all the people that share the show, and of course, all the people that uh, support me on Patreon that keep the show going. I really, really appreciate it. You guys know who, you know, basically who you are uh, that have always been helping me out, and I do appreciate it. And like I always say, I know I probably harp on about it, but I really, really couldn't do it without you guys. So again, if you want to email me for any reason, AustralianHuntingPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I have received, again, I keep receiving a lot, of, a lot of messages, guys, so just please bear with me. I know if you're listening to this, I do take time to get back to people because I get so many messages and I try as much as I can. You know, I work full-time, so I do need a bit of time to get back to you. So don't worry, I will get back to you. Uh, just just hold on for a reply. Uh, if you want to go to the website, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au, you can listen to all our backlog of uh, shows. Uh, and, of course, we're on all the platforms. There's way too many to list, but the website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's on iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher. I mean, just type in Australian Hunting Podcast and you'll pretty much find it somewhere there on the internet. And if you've got any ideas for shows, guests or anything you want to hear, certainly email me because I would absolutely love to hear your opinion uh, on what shows I can do, what can make the show better. Let us know. Love to hear from you. Really, we do appreciate when people write into the show uh, and recommend guests. And of course, I like making people happy as well. So I try and get those people on the show. Uh, I have got some interesting shows coming up for the future. Uh, we're going to going to be doing a lot of things this year i'm looking forward to i think 2021 is going to be an absolutely fantastic year and hopefully you're all out there hunting you're all out there shooting you're all out there enjoying yourselves and because i always say to people i've you know seen things on the internet the last week you know there's a you know unfortunately there's a lot of a lot of guys at the moment committing suicide is a really really sad thing guys and, and you know we're all on borrowed time you're not going to live forever uh, get out there and do what you love get out there and, and enjoy the outdoors enjoy your friends enjoy your family and you know guys like I always say to people you got any problems give me a call give me a message text me send me a message on instagram i tend to read those a bit more than sometimes emails and getting back to people if you see someone to talk to just hit me up more than happy to if you're a stranger i don't know you i don't care hit me up no problem at all whatsoever and look after your friends guys make sure they're okay you know it's really a bad thing that's affecting men these days and it really is a sad thing and we need to definitely need to get control of it sooner rather than later so it's going to be a good show with jason menzies from liquid antler again check out his youtube channel at liquid antler and i'm going to ask him actually why he called it 
Liquid Antler. But I think it's going to be a great show. So we might as well get straight into it, I reckon. So here is my interview with Liquid Antlers, Jason Menzies. Jace, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, Jace, for inviting me along. No worries, mate. What do you reckon? Jason's the best name, isn't it, I reckon? <laughs> I can't complain. You can't complain. <laughs> mate, tell us about yourself. I mean, how did you get into shooting? I guess just give us a bit of a background where you came from, you know, it's maybe sort of you know, work industry. Just give us a bit of a background. Who's Jason Menzies? Yeah, no worries. So I'm a 35-year-old Kiwi, uh, currently living, living in Brisbane, and I've been in Australia now for around 10 years. So I've lived in Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth. Um, I'm currently in the mining industry, and yeah, of course, I love my hunting. <laughs> yeah, mate, absolutely, absolutely. What was it like? Were you, were you growing up in New Zealand hunting? Family were hunters? Your family's still over there? What's the sort of situation there? Yeah, so the family's still over there. Uh, growing up, there was a little bit of exposure to shooting. So dad always had the twenty-two at home. You know, we'd shoot a few targets, shoot a few rabbits. Um, my uncle was a keen deer stalker. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, I suppose, until around the university that I really, I don't know, the bug hit me. And from there, I've been, uh, yeah, a keen, a keen or very keen hunter. But yeah, it was all, it was all around the university time that, that I uh, met a couple of guys, and that's where my real passion and love for, for hunting started. When, when you met your friends there, like is that your people always talk about when the bug hits, and this is very interesting, it's always different for you know a lot of people. Uh, what was that thing? You know, some people, it was you know, the, the, a family friend, some it was, it was mates that were into it and they took them out on their first hunt. Always something that bites and maybe seeing that deer you know, being in the, in the magazine or one of those, probably back then there probably wasn't much YouTube going on. We were probably a bit younger, but uh, even some of the older guys, there wasn't around back then. So what was that bug that sort of bit you? What was that thing where you thought, oh, holy shit, I wouldn't mind getting into this? So yeah, I met a couple of guys at uni who were keen, keen deer stalkers, and you know they told me a few stories. And then I think after a bit of night, I think it was, for, you know, a few beers at the pub, <laughs> uh, they actually invited me along to on a, on a deer stalk. So it was up to one of our more local spots up the Kaimai Ranges, uh, hunting red deer. So for anyone that's hunted the Kaimais, it's a pretty thick, thick bush. Uh, but that first hunt, we didn't actually get anything, but I saw my first deer. And oh yeah, from from that first hunt, just the adventure, the the unknown. Oh mate, it was just uh, I was hooked. <laughs> yeah, mate. It, it, there's nothing like hunting when you go out in the bush eh, and you get hooked. I mean, absolutely. Where where were you from when you're in um, New Zealand? Whereabouts? North Island, South Island? Where's the sort of family from? Yeah, so Hamilton, so which is in the Central North Island in the Waikato. Uh, so yeah, I was born and raised in Hamilton, which is a little a little town there. So. The hunting from there, I suppose, was predominantly red deer and some seeker deer. So from from my university days, I was pretty much yeah chasing red and seeker deer as much as I could during uh, when I suppose I should have been at university. Yeah, I see some of these videos from the guys that are making videos from over in New Zealand. I thought. I see some of these hills, and I always say it. I thought, shit, I've definitely got to get my fitness up before I hit those hills of New Zealand because, I mean, I'm sure they can they can make a, a mockery out of any hunter if your fitness is not up to scratch, I reckon. Yeah, the North Island, I suppose the North Island's a little bit tamer on the hill department. There's definitely still some decent hills, but, um, yeah, around the Seeker country and the Kaimanawas and the Kauwekas, uh, which I mainly hunted, there was some, some pretty big country, but uh, definitely not on... You know, things like down the South Island where, uh, yeah, you need your, you need your fitness up to uh, tackle those hills. So, I mean, I, I guess you probably did a, a, a little bit of hunting, but I guess the majority probably your hunting um, would probably be done over here. That'd be the correct, you reckon? 
yeah, I suppose I was in New Zealand, what, oh, so from the uni days, pretty much five years, I would have been solid hunting over New Zealand. Uh, and then over that, since moving to Australia, of course, I uh, originally moved to Melbourne and I was hunting up in the big high country uh, for over five years. Yeah, what what do you think of the differences? I mean, a lot of people, you know, if they haven't been to New Zealand, I mean, I haven't been in New Zealand, I do want to go. I'm surprised I've waited this long to go to New Zealand. But what do you think the differences are? I mean, just in general, like how does the, how do you think, you've obviously experienced both, which is fantastic. How do you think it differs between from New Zealand to, to Australia? Not only from Australia, but I guess from New Zealand, from a, a Brisbane perspective to when you were, you, you were living in Victoria um, and, you know, East versus West, how do you think it differs from New Zealand? Well, yeah, New Zealand, yeah, yeah, you're so lucky, I suppose. You've just got, you know, all this hunting opportunity at your door. And since moving over to Australia, it's been a real eye-opener, which what I took for granted over in New Zealand, of course, is is not really here in each state. So, you know, living over in Perth for three years, you just you just don't have that opportunity. I, had, I did very minimal hunting, um, a little bit of fox hunting. But apart from that, yeah, it was very, very limited. I suppose Victoria... They're extremely lucky. So, yeah, the guys down south there, uh, you know, it's got some great opportunities, plenty of public land, and um, which, you know, it was very similar. Actually, Victoria, New Zealand, you had that similar feel. And then, of course, moving up here to Queensland, it's, you know, no state or no public hunting, and it's a lot more limiting. You have to have that private access, uh, which I'm fortunate enough to have a couple of landowners that I can go and hunt on. And then, of course, recently, I've actually just set my R licence and, and I'm popping across the border now and um, hunting down New South Wales and some of the state forests down there. There seems to be a lot of people, especially that make videos or just in general that are posting on social media that, you know, they do do seem to be, even some of the bigger guys, yeah, real popular guys seem to be spending a lot of time on that New Zealand sort of state, for, not state forest, but I guess state-owned government land. And, yeah, it seems to be quite popular. What do you, I mean, do you think that you've obviously dealt with people probably from state forest to private both in Australia and from obviously New Zealand as well. Well, I mean, what's the difference you think dealing with farmers here versus you know dealing farmers in in New Zealand? I mean, I think it's probably a bit more accepted. I think in New Zealand, I mean, people sort of expect you to think, sort of be a hunter, and if you're not, it's like, what's wrong with you? I love that attitude, by the way. That if you're not a hunter, there's probably something wrong with you. But what's the difference you think between say private here versus private in New Zealand? So I suppose yeah, in New Zealand, it's just a way of life. You know, someone does hunt. So back when I was in New Zealand, I didn't hunt any private land. There was so much public land on offer, uh, there was no need to try and actually source any private land. So yeah, 100% hunting in New Zealand was public. But of course, up here in Queensland, I have to try and find private land to, to hunt on. Um, it's, it's difficult. I think a lot of landowners have had, I don't know, potentially some bad experiences with hunters. Um, so it's not actually that easy to... To, for the guys up this way to actually try and find land to go on. So I know a lot are heading across the border and pushing into New South Wales where we're lucky enough to have some of their state forests open. So um, it'd be amazing down the track, of course, to see Queensland adopt a similar, I suppose, setup or system as, as New South Wales. But yeah, I can't see that happening in the, in the you know, in the distant future. So you, you told me before, we're going to talk about it, I always like to throw a curveball at people. So you, you said you were overseas in, in Canada, and you think, as far as I'm aware, you met an Australian girl over there, and she thought eventually, obviously, you met her, and you, and 
you told her, you know, you like hunting and she thought, bloody hell, this Kiwi lout likes his hunting. What did she say or what did the parents say when she, you know, took you home and said, Mum and Dad, here's Jason, you know, he loves his, he loves his hunting, he's a top bloke. <laughs> what did she say about it initially when you first told her you sort of liked hunting? Uh, yeah, she's, she was brought up on a little bit of land, so she has an understanding of the hunting aspect. Uh, she's personally not into it. Like, she's, she's got nothing against me doing it, and she, you know, she knows how important it is to me. Um, she's actually pretty, yeah, she puts up with a lot of a lot of crap, I suppose. You know, she comes <laughs> home from work, and I've got kids boiling around the pool, and I've got a skin strung out on the on the back deck. So, um, and she's she like, never oh, complains. no, not this again, not this again, <laughs> no, not this again. No, she actually never, never complains, and she lets me do it, but uh, I think deep down she's going, oh, what the hell is he up to now? So, uh, um but by saying that, she's been so supportive of it, and um, yeah, to give me the freedom, and I'm always popping out for trips, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super lucky to have have such a supportive partner who um, understands why why I enjoy and get out there so much. So when you're boiling the uh, skull head, she's like, "Oh, not my bloody fifteen liter bloody pot again." He's using it again for this crap. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought she was she was actually way of weekends on a recent trip, and um, I thought it was a good good opportunity to. To ball the heads up, and uh, unfortunately, her flight landed a little bit early, so uh, she ended up rocking up with her, the head simmering away. So uh, it was, uh, she was uh, yeah, shaking her head. Mate, what else do you get into? Any types of you know shooting, hunting? I mean, other than hunting, obviously, I should say sorry. Like, do you you know rifle shooting? I mean, obviously, we shoot rifles when we go hunting, but you sort of you know range sort of stuff. Yeah, clay targets, pistols. Purely just a, a hunter, or or you getting any involved in any other sort of shooting disciplines? So mainly just the hunting. Um, I did used to shoot clays a little bit back in high school. Uh, did that for a little while, but but since the old deer stalking bug hatch, the only time I really go to a range is just to slot my rifle in and just get that confidence up behind behind the rifle. You know, make sure I'm I'm comfortable with what I'm shooting. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, it's solely really uh, yeah mainly so mainly focus on the deer stalking. What. <laughs> I think you're like me. I, I never really thought, when I, before I went deer hunting, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to go try this. I'll, I'll see what it's like. Everyone seems to rave about it, you know, and I guess people don't really understand about the deer hunting, eh, until you actually go and do it. I mean, it's something I really enjoy now when I do get the opportunity. I love that, you know, the cold, crisp morning just starts to get a bit cooler. And what is it about deer hunting, man, that seems to really hit a nerve with a lot of people? Um, the one aspect is the challenge, you know, is – what, six species of deer in Australia, seven in New Zealand. Uh, each deer is different. They live in a different environment often. There's, yeah, each deer is so different, and, and the environment they hunt them is just, oh, you just can't beat it. Um, I also just love the adventure. That always puts me in, in new places, so I'm always exploring different areas. And that's half the fun for me personally is, is getting out and, and checking out new areas. That's why I'm really looking forward to pushing across into New South Wales and and exploring some of these state forests, not just for deer, of course, that's one of my main targets I'll, I'll be trying to chase, but it's all just, also just checking out a new area. And um, it's always that unknown. You never know what, what you're going to come across. And oh, yeah, I, just, I just love it. <laughs> exactly. Guys, quick break and we'll be right back. Camo Warehouse is Australia's leading supplier of quality hunting clothing and accessories. We stock leading outdoor clothing brands such as Rocky Boots, Georgia Boots, Hunter's Element, Ridgeline, Spiker, 511, Stony Creek and many more. Camo Warehouse is the leading supplier of optics and shooting accessories including Leopold, Bushnell, Zerotech, Lyman, Powerbeam and Lightforce. We can also order in custom Boyd stocks from the US to your specific requirements. Camo Warehouse offers 
offers flexible, zero-interest payment options including Afterpay and ZipPay. Order via our website at camowarehouse.com.au or give us a call on 02 6771 2836. And don't forget, guys, I keep forgetting to say this, Chase. Use 10% off AHP10 for 10% off at Camo Warehouse. Mate, what else do you like to hunt? I mean, uh, do you, you're in Queensland currently, so any, any other game, or you're really concentrating sort of at the moment on, you know, sort of deer hunting or do you know, rabbits, foxes? What else do you enjoy? I'm also just chasing a few pigs around. Uh, I have got a bit of a bit of access to um, an, an area for a bit of pig control, so... Uh, help their local landowner, you know, get those pig numbers down. So definitely a bit of pig shooting, but predominantly is mainly focused on the old deer stalking. Yeah, I know. People keep saying, they go, why do people love deer hunting? I said, I don't know, there's something about it that just grabs me. I don't know, every single time. Like, I love all types of hunting, you know, from pigs to foxes to rabbits to, well, I haven't really shot a pig yet, so I really shouldn't say that. Well, I did on a previous trip, but the little bugger ran into some, uh, or yeah, a couple of metres into some black bear and I couldn't retrieve them, which I was so disappointed about. But anyway, I'm sure there'll be another time but yeah there's something about deer that we just keep coming back all the deer species you know trying to learn them to hunt them you know trying to be a better hunter of deer and learn their habits and just so intriguing but uh, i know you and we'll talk about this a little bit later as well but you just started hunting on public land in new south wales which is fantastic a good resource for all of us to use in new south wales and other states that border in new south wales as well what did you i know you made a video and we'll talk about that as well a bit later but um what did you find out about your first experience hunting on public land, say, and, and also compared to some of the private? Obviously, it's a little bit harder. Got to do probably a bit more work, but how, how did you find it? Oh, mate, I had a great time. We, we, didn't, we didn't come away successful, but um, we did come across a fair bit of pig sign, but it was just great. It was just great getting across the border and, and just checking out a new area. The bush, actually, that we went into was, was quite nice and a fair bit of sign around, so I'll definitely be looking at going back there and, yeah, see if I have a luck, bit of luck on, on a pig or two. There wasn't any deer sign that I came across uh, in this in this uh, state forest that I checked out, but uh, yeah, I'm slowly going to start working my way through the through the different state forests and hopefully yeah, video it as well and and uh, yeah, try and capture my trips. When's the next one, Drew? When are you when are you going to book in and head to maybe another state forest? What's your plans coming up for the future with that? So I've got a three day trip planned end of next week. So once I get back home from off-site, I'll um, yeah, head bush for three days. I've got another state forest lined up, and uh, I'll see what I can find in this one. Yeah, what what's what are you targeting? Still deer? What's your what's your go-to? It's more just these these initial trips are more just covering country and, and checking out different areas. Ideally, I'm wanting to try and find state forests with deer in them. Uh, the problem, I suppose, with Queensland is just how far I'm going to have to travel for that potentially. So what I'm doing at the moment is just checking out some of the closest state forests. Uh, I think the chances of deer are relatively slim, so but you never know. It's all about spending that time exploring, and uh, you never know what you'll come across. And you shot, you've been shooting a few red deer, man, over the rut. Tell us about that. I mean, looks like you you made some good videos about it too, and you know, it looks like you're having a bloody great time. Yeah, I'm lucky enough up here in Queensland to have a little bit of access um, onto a couple of properties, and we had a great rut this year. It was, uh, yeah, I think total we've probably spent seven or eight days chasing uh, reeds around, so. Um, I managed to get a couple or a few, which was nice. So, yeah, it was just yeah, a great trip. They were roaring relatively well, and there were some good numbers. So, um, yeah, we had a we had a couple of great trips. Yeah, what, I haven't shot a red deer yet, which disappoints me. But I'm going to one day, hopefully. <laughs> what other deer species have you shot? Have you just just shot reds? What else have you got in, gotten yourself into? 
No, so back in New Zealand, I was big on the seeker deer. So the seeker deer live in the central North Island of New Zealand. Uh, they are a cunning little deer that uh, oh, I just love to hunt. So I'm um, yeah, actually looking at booking a trip across back over to New Zealand, probably around June for a bit of a winter trip to chase the seeker deer around. I've chased um, probably my favourite deer back in New Zealand to hunt. Uh, well, in Australia, I, I spent a bit of time chasing samba around the Big High Country. Um, had a yeah, managed to get a few hinds, no big stags or anything, but uh, yeah, those samba are, are pretty special deer as well. And some of the country that they live in is just oh, just a magnificent, magnificent. Been up in that Alpine National Park, and yeah, just just great country out there. How does how do you think Seeker say compares to you know our spot? I mean, you guys have got red deer, well, New Zealand's got. Yeah, a lot of red deer over in New Zealand. So, how do you reckon they compare? What's the difference? Do you notice any difference, say, compared to deer there compared to here? No, no real difference, or? Uh, no, seeker, I suppose, was suppose a little bit similar to samba. They're very cunning. Um, you think you know you kind of got the seeker deer mastered, and then they'll they'll throw something at you that you know you kind of think, well, what's going on here? But yeah, red deer are very similar. You know, I've, I've hunted red deer here in, in Australia and New Zealand, of course, and they're very similar. But um, and the samba, oof, they're a, they're a very tough, tough deer to hunt. I um, I struggled on them, but uh, they're still still great to chase around the hills. I didn't see on any videos. Did you end up getting any samba? I haven't looked at back some of the uh, some of the backlog, but I don't, I don't think you got a samba. If I'm correct, no. I have shot samba, but back then I wasn't really filming for YouTube, so okay, yeah. it was only probably in the last. A year and a half, they're probably well. I've kind of given the YouTube a bit of a push. Um, I suppose I first started the YouTube oh, it would have been six or seven years ago um, when I actually did a trip back in New Zealand where a mate and I we we, we kind of threw in about threw in our jobs and um, hunted New Zealand. Well, yeah, we, we threw in our jobs and hunted New Zealand for six months. So nice. what we did is we started down. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty pretty amazing trip. We uh, started down in Stewart Island chasing the whitetail. And then worked our way all the way up the country, um, targeting all you know seven species of deer, plus tar, chamois, and goats. So it was uh, a pretty epic trip. And and from that trip, I made a few videos. Oh yeah, probably seven or eight years ago now. And um, but yeah, I took a bit of a break from the YouTube and then just started getting back into it. Oh man, I'd be jealous going on. How long was it? Six months just hunting. Yeah. yeah. Going hunting, yeah, I mean, that's like the ultimate dream. If only we could do that now. If only we didn't have to work. We had all types of money. I'd just be hunting all the time. You'd probably never see me. <laughs> yeah, I was lucky. I was lucky enough that I suppose we were young enough that we kind of. I was working up in PNG at the time, and my mate was over in London, and we'd always kind of dreamed or kind of talked about it, and you know, we're kind of arming and ahhing, and then we just made this decision, and we're like, let's just do it. So, um, yeah, we both threw in pretty pretty good jobs, and um, we decked out a four wheel drive and. Yeah, like, we, like I said, we just spent six months and um, and just worked our way up the country because I actually hadn't been to the South Island before this trip. So, you know, I'd travelled around the world checking out different places, but I've actually never been to the South Island of New Zealand. So I had to, you know, had to tick that off the off the bucket list and, and what a better way to do it than actually spend six months hunting it. So, so that's what we did. And, uh, mate, it was, yeah, it, was, it was epic. It had its highs, it had its lows. It was just, you know, push you to, you know, your, your boundaries and, but mate, it was just um, yeah, something I look back now and just so grateful. I actually um, yeah, I just did it. So yeah, it was an epic trip, mate. If you had to pick it, I mean, you've obviously hunted quite a quite a fair few range of species. What would be uh, you say top one and two deer species? I mean, from New Zealand to Australia or just anyone, what would be your favourite? Um, 
for the country, for the, the environment, it has to be the wapiti down in Fiordland. Uh, I actually haven't shot a wapiti. I've seen a lot, but I haven't pulled the trigger on one. But just the, the scale and, and the country that they that those deer live in is just amazing. You know, from down in the creeks to hiking, you know, hiking to the top of the ridge, to, oh, just huge, huge country. And, um, yeah, just to see the deer or the wapiti cruising around in that country is just yeah, amazing. So definitely the wapiti are up there. And then for me, it'd have to be the seeker deer in the central North Island. Uh, I love chasing them around. I love the Kaimanawas and the Kaweckers. And, um, yeah, so Wapiti and then, and then Seeker for me. Mate, would deer, would deer be your favourite game? Definitely. Yeah, hun- yeah, 100%, mate. I've, I have hunted, um, you know, the Himalayan tar down, down the South Island as well as Shami, um, which, are, you know, once again, the environment that they live in is just, just incredible. But uh, for me, it would definitely have to be uh, the deer number one. All right, let's talk about some good stuff before we get into the bit of the YouTube stuff. What about guns? What do you shoot? What's your go-to for deer? What do you own? If you don't mind spreading a bit of the love on some of the caliber stuff or what, you, what you've bought, what you're going to buy in the future, all of the above? Yes, yeah, so I've, I've had a, a whole range, I suppose, of, of rifles over the years. Um, I'm currently just running a 6.5 Creedmoor in a, just a Howl 1500, so... A relatively affordable, cheap little package. I think I bought, uh, purchased that for around seven hundred dollars, brand new. And just on that, I've just got a four point five to fourteen by fifty scope on it. Um, and that's the main rifle I've been using recently to, you know, to hunt hunt the red deer up here in Queensland. Um, I also have a Sarko seventy five, seventy mil eight, uh, which I which I like to get out as well. So these are the two rifles I currently own. But I suppose over my years of of you know, shot deer with everything from a, I don't know, 306, 300 wisdom, um, 270, 22, 250. So yeah, I've had a had a few safety rifles <laughs> over the years. What's your favourite now? You reckon how you how you, you on those videos you were shooting those reds with the Creedmoor? Yeah, I was. I'm actually really enjoying the Creedmoor. It's, so far, it's um, yeah, I'm actually loving it. It's um, like I said, nice little cheap little package with the Howl 1500. Um, little, you know, two-stage trigger in them, and I'm actually really enjoying that rifle. I was going to ask you, any other guns you own, like 22, shotguns? Nah, nothing like that? I have over the years. At the moment, I haven't. I've just got the, the two centerfires, and uh, that, yeah, that's all I own at the moment. I might be looking at, at purchasing something like a uh, 223 or 243, but, yeah, at the moment, it's just the, just the two rifles. Are you doing factory or factory uh, or reloading? What are you just probably doing? Uh, no, factory I'm, I'm just factory. Yeah, like I said, I spend minimal time at the range. It, that personally for me, it's not a not a big interest as long as I can get my group um, at the range using factory. Um, yeah, I just love that. Then I spend the time in the bush running around. Hey, as they say, if we're spending too much time at the range, we could be out hunting. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly the way I look at it. As it's, you know, any spare time I have. Uh, that's going to be either in the bush or, or checking out a new area. So, like, yeah, run the factory, spend a little bit of time at the range, making sure I'm confident with the rifle, um, and the rest of the time's in the bush. What about any, are you planning on any buying anything else, or are you pretty happy where you're at, sort of firearms-wise, or any planned purchases that you know are coming up or not really? Or No, not the moment. I'll probably just stick with those at the moment and then just see how my hunting, you know, how it changes. But, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, those two at the moment, and, and, yeah, nothing, nothing in, the, in the future at the moment. Um, we're just going to go to another quick break, guys, and we'll be right back.
Over the past year, the National Shooting Council took legal actions to protect shooters' rights over gun shop closures, gun reclassifications, and unfair license cancellations. And we did this across Australia. The National Shooting Council is the only truly national political action group that is taking actions to protect what we do. Help us do more during 2021. Join the National Shooting Council, which is the political organisation that you've been wanting to see there to protect shooters' rights. Um, Jace, I want to talk about you like started you started filming, which is good. A lot of us, you know, you like filming your hunts, which can be <laughs> quite interesting to say the least, especially when you're you're trying to uh, get the shot on camera, which can be very difficult because often sometimes it's getting the shot on camera or getting the deer on camera uh, or not shooting, not getting it on camera, and not shooting it. So tell us how did you start a YouTube channel? What was the purpose of doing that? Why did you? Because you've obviously stepped up the, the quality too, which is absolutely fantastic. Your, your hunts are good, and if people haven't checked it out, first off, where can they go to look at it? That's the most important thing so far. Yeah, so just on YouTube, it's just Liquid Antler. Um, I've also got the Instagram, so I kind of keep everyone up to date on what's going on with the channel. But yeah, I first started out my YouTube pretty much when I did that six-month bush trip. Um, at that time, I was running a very basic setup, and the goal, I suppose, was just to try and document that trip. So I, put, I think I put together five or six videos, um, just of a few key trips that we did across that six months, and I got those up onto YouTube. Then I had a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a break and I was traveling around a bit. And then, like I said, probably in the last year and a half, I've really tried to pick up my game, pick up my skills, my gear, and, and try and hopefully produce some some quality content. What made you want to do it, though? I mean, as you know, it's you know, especially the more you you get into the bloody editing, that's the hardest part. Well, it's hard to film as well. So you spend a whole weekend or three days filming. Uh, and then we've got to go to the editing process, I and mean, then, which you know is quite, you know, the effort you're putting in, and a lot of people putting in is quite arduous. So, like, what was the reason? You just wanted to share the hunts. So what was the like? What was your main catalyst? I mean, I, I like looking back at some of the hunts that I did, and I said, shit, that was awesome. But uh, you know, and then we've also got to deal with bloody idiots on the internet too, who you know complain because someone's out hunting and don't like what we do, whether it's an ante or or you know you've got access to shoot red deer, and some people don't, and they get the shits with that. Yeah. What what was your main reason there? Like, what was that sort of catalyst where you thought I'm going to come back to this and, and really give it a good go? Um, I've always loved my photography, uh, which I've you know done for years, and it's I find it super rewarding once you kind of you know you go on that hunt. Like you said, the time and effort to actually get some of the footage is crazy, like ridiculous. What you go through, you know, you you're undoing tripods, you're seeing cameras up, you're walking past them, you. But, but once you actually get into the editing studio and put it all together and then you finish that video and you go, okay, that's why I took all that effort to get those shots because that finished product you're actually proud of. So it's a pain at the time. It's an absolute nightmare. You know, like the last thing you feel like you're, you're packing meat, you've got heads on the back of your pack to pull out the tripod, set it up, walk past it, reset it, re-walk past it and then pack it all the way before you actually head out. It's, um, you kind of shake your head and go, why the hell am I doing this? But, but like I say, then once you get back in the editing studio and you've got those that, that footage, oh, it makes it it makes it so rewarding. And then being able to see guys, you know, you know, eighty or ninety percent of the, the comments I get on on YouTube are, are positive. So you know, guys enjoy the effort I go to, and it's rewarding to see and even you know learning bits and pieces from from some of my videos. So yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it's great to document it, and I also find it very rewarding once you get that that end product. Some people have asked, and I get this question sometimes, like, how does a story come together? How do you plan what you're going to do? As in, 
what story you're going to tell. Sometimes I've made a video, I've got all this B-roll, I've got all this footage, and I'm like, where do I even start? <laughs> How am I going to yeah. tell this story that I want to tell? So do you have any, like, tips, tricks, and techniques for people that, yeah, they might want to get out there and say, shit, you know, I wouldn't mind starting a YouTube channel. I want to document my hunts for to look back at them and, you know, to share, but also to look back at them and say, hey, this was an awesome hunt, and, you know, it's like reliving, you know, basically the hunt again. So what's your sort of top techniques to say, well, I'm going to go hunting. Yeah, okay, obviously there's a, there's a way that things are going to happen on the trip, but how do you put a story together? How do you tell a story about hunting? Yes, so for instance, I did a recent one on New South Wales when there was actually, you know, we didn't, we didn't get anything, but the way I looked at that hunt was I kind of aimed it at, at hunters, but also non-hunters, so it's more to try and kind of explain, um, I suppose, why we have that passion and why we enjoy getting out there. So in my mind, before I actually started that trip, I had a bit of a storyboard in my head of, of what I wanted to show, you know, um, adventure, camaraderie, um, exploring the unknown. And, you know, it's just trying to piece it. It's, it's difficult. It's, and especially with hunting, it's not that easy because, you know, things can change so quickly. So I definitely try and have a little bit of a storyboard in my head at the time. Um, but then you have to be also versatile to kind of adapt to, to whatever the hunt or the, the trip throws at you. So, I, I try and get as much footage as I can, but then also um, have that kind of understanding or a bit of a vision of what of what I want to produce once I get in the editing, you know, spend that time editing it. Yeah, I totally agree. Man, sometimes you don't know. It's weird how when you come together, you got, I've got sometimes I had things in my mind and I'm like, nah, that won't work or that will work or oh, what am I going to do here? I didn't get enough talking footage or I've got, haven't got enough or I've got way too much. It's like... Yeah, it's just crazy. But uh, what, what about for people? You know, they're wanting to – they don't even know where to start. Like, since I'm not – I would definitely wouldn't call myself a, a camera expert or anything along the, those lines. But, you know, you, you learn a couple of things. I watched a few YouTube videos, you know, how to get cameras to work and stuff like that. I mean, just give us a rundown. What are you using? Because some people will soft and message me and say, oh, mate, what, what camera are you using? Is that a GoPro? And I said, listen, GoPros have their uses. But, you know, when you're trying to zoom out, like they don't zoom. So they're pretty much a wide-angle lens. So they're not going to – they're not going to be suitable probably for what you need. And, you know, some people say to me too, they go, well, but, you know, if I film in 4K, I can zoom in. I say, yeah, but if you don't have the detail, like in, in the shot, considering, you know, as you know, a GoPro is pretty wide angle. If you do zoom in, you may not get the results that you want, say, compared to a, a DSLR camera, a mirrorless camera. So let's talk about a bit of gear. I mean, people want to buy something to be able to make videos. I mean, what's, in your opinion, what have you got? What do you think is appropriate for them? And, yeah, all of the above. Okay, so personally, I've got a lot of camera gear, so the, the list keeps going. But <laughs> Don't for, we all? <laughs> for a person, yeah, I know. For a, person, for a person starting out, I know what you're saying with regards to like a GoPro, but they are a super easy way for people to, to kind of I suppose, get a, a bit of an understanding and to, to easily film footage. So uh, I try to always have a GoPro on my on my head, mounted on my head, shooting 4K like you mentioned. Uh, the new GoPro 9s also... They have a feature that, you know, once you click it, you can they record the previous 60 seconds. So if something does happen quickly, you just hit the, hit the top, you know, hit the button, and it actually records the records what, what's happened, which is great. Um, yep. in, addition, in addition to the GoPro, I also run a Canon PowerShot. I think it's a 60 HS. Uh, so for any of my footage where I've zoomed in on an animal, it, that's a great, great camera for optical zoom. So I think that's running 60 times optical zoom. So it's perfect for, for getting those close shots. And what I also actually one use sec, is that is that interchangeable lens that one or not? That's just because I think I've few, few no. seen a few people that have gone. I don't think they do. Correct? Yeah, no, it's not interchangeable. No. It's yep. just a set, set lens. 
Uh, so that does have a few downsides, like low light quality and bits and pieces, but I actually use it a lot of the time as a bit of a spotting scope as well. So you set up on a tripod and the zoom on this thing is, is amazing. Uh, you can, you know, zoom in the depth 500 meters away and clearly see, you know, what antlers have got. You know, it's, just, it's amazing the detail um, in, in this little camera. So, the, yeah, that's the PowerShot 60HS. Um, I also actually recently just bought a, a Canon M50 Mark II. So I was lugging around with the DSLR, a 5D Mark III, uh, but I've tried to reduce my pack weight. Um, yeah, if you see how much stuff I carry around the hills, it's a little bit ridiculous. So I'm trying to lighten my load a little bit. So I've gone for the old mirrorless, which uh, so far seems like a great piece of kit. Um and I suppose there's also the drone. I've always got the drone in the backpack as well, just to get those those different angles and just add a different element to the hunt. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that the drone does. Some people say, oh, would I buy another one? And I thought, yeah, I do like them, but the amount that I use it. But, it, yeah, it certainly does add an extra you know, dimension to the hunt. It, it, it certainly does. And what do you think? I mean, you, you got the – what was the first one? Was the 1DX Mark II? Is that what you said? No. Um, so the first one is the Canon PowerShot SX60HS. So that's the that's the one I use as like my spotting scope. And and for any footage of of animals or deer actually in my videos, it's probably going to be taken with that just because of the zoom on it. It's it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I, thought, zoom straight I, thought, I just thought there. I heard there was one in the middle before after that one, but in the middle before the M50. No, it's only the two. Uh, and the five D Mark III. Five D Mark III. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. So I'm using I'm using that predominantly with a fifty mil. Um, just a nifty 50, 50 mil lens. Yep, yep. So, so for any of that footage where the, yeah, it gives you that real high quality footage, it gives you some nice blurring background to try and get those more cinematic shots. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm, I'm really trying to up my game at the moment to, to improve that quality and really, I suppose, take it away from just a, you know, hunting video to really trying to tell a story and just, and just to work on my, my own skill set and, and, um, hopefully produce some, you know, keep seeing progression in, in the quality of my videos. Yeah, it's true. I used to, I mean, pretty much when I started filming some videos, it was just, I just had a cheap DSLR. I think I had it for years. It was an old Canon EOS 200D. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, yep. it, but, it, but it did okay. I mean, I, I like the new features. And people ask me, like, it's another thing I get, like mirrorless DSLR. I mean, hey, I was a staunch DSLR person for many years, but I think eventually, and it's even happening now, mirrorless are going to take over DSLR. There's no doubt about it, I think. Um, they're already starting to discontinue a lot of DSLR. But, uh, but one of the – and for people that don't know – um, DSLR basically has a mirror in front of the sensor, whereas the obviously mirrorless does not. Uh, and just be, and just a tip for you, I think we spoke about it on uh, Instagram. For anyone that gets a mirrorless camera, <laughs> make sure you hold the the camera upside down when you're changing lenses, especially if you're in. Um yeah, you know, real dusty environments like I was that day, uh, because you can get crud and dust and shit on the sensor. And when you yeah. come home, like I did, and you feel, especially when you're filming things like the sky where it's all blue, I'm looking, especially when you're at higher f stops, you know, f six, f yeah, you know, fourteen, f sixteen, and higher. If you don't, if you yeah. don't have, if you don't have an ND filter, I'm like, what the hell is on my lens? I, just, I honestly, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm going. 
half these shots are ruined. Luckily, I had an end. I was using an ND filter a lot, so I was you know, basically f7, f6. A lot of it wasn't showing up, which it doesn't show up at that sort of more wide aperture, you know. But when you sort of have a closed off aperture um, or a very narrow aperture, you know, it was it was showing up like you wouldn't believe. So, guys, make sure you get that and buy one of those little puffers as well. You can get them off like you know eBay or you know from one of your local um, shops. Basically, hold it upside down and puff inside it. Obviously, don't touch your sensor, but puff it, blow any dust out before you after you change your lens or before you change your lens, I should say. Um, because definitely <laughs> when you get home, Jace, you could ruin all your shots and you're like, luckily a lot of them I could fix. So I just did a bit of you know, Googling on YouTube as well and, and found a few things that could fix it. But that's only if the footage is static. If the footage is moving, forget it. <laughs> it's just going yeah, to it. be no good, man. It's going to be no good at all. Yeah, it's nothing worse than getting back <laughs> to find your footage. The other, the other issue I've had actually over the years is um, sound. So what I'd recommend for any guys starting out is just to buy a cheap little shotgun mic. I think I'm running a little yep. Boya uh, yep. shotgun mic with a little um, you know wind protector over the top of it. And just to improve the audio, there's nothing worse, than, and I'm, I'm guilty for it myself, there's nothing worse than having top-quality footage but then you've got the wind in the background against the inbuilt um, mic, and you know all you can hear is there's nothing worse than that poor audio quality. So yep. definitely, if the guys guys are starting out, just buy a cheap shotgun mic, and um, it's just having that that audio will make such a difference. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I've got even my one of my mates now is making them, and he, he doesn't use his wind muff. I'm dude. I said use the wind muff. Like he's he's using the 4K, the whole you know the whole kit and caboodle. It's fantastic. But I'm like, dude, you know, you just got to, you know, Rode Video Micro or the Boya, they're fairly cheap, you know, 40 to $80, somewhere around there. It's got a big, juicy wind cat or, you know, what do they call it? Dead cat on top. Dead cat, Mate, yeah. It's just going to take your, your footage to a whole new level, especially sometimes I used to do a bit of fishing down south in Victoria, you know, when I'd go on holidays and, you know, especially when you're on boats and things like that. I mean, the wind, as you know, on a boat, even when you're on like an estuary is absolutely terrible. And, you know, I'm one of those guys where like, oh, no, nah, if I'm hearing that... <laughs> sound every two seconds no nah, i just switch it off i just i'm just i don't know what it is it's, it's sort of like nails on a chalkboard to me i'm like nah i can't stand that so i especially me being sort of doing podcasts and being an audio guy it's like yeah no nah, I, I just can't i mean sometimes you're not going to be if your wind's blowing 60 kilometers an hour there's probably you know it, it can only do so much but you would expect that but you know yeah buy a friggin boya or the road video micro one of them or any of those road microphones that go on top Perfect. Exactly what you're going to need. It's going to cut out 95% of that wind noise in, you know, reasonable conditions. So, Yeah, definitely. The other, the other thing I suppose I would recommend to guys starting out is just a, a cheap, lightweight tripod um, just to get those those angles and just to get that solid base. Uh, you'll notice a couple of my recent red videos, you know, my camera is all over the place because, of, you know, you're trying to chase a deer, you don't have quite enough time to set the tripod up, but wherever you can, it's, you know, you can get that tripod set up, get that nice steady footage with the good audio. Uh, the quality of your video is just going to prove, you know, drastically. So, and it also allows you just to get those different angles, you know, walking past the, walking past the camera. It's just adding those, those, those things that are going to give that little bit of in more interest to your video and just make it pop a bit more. Uh, so yeah, a, a nice cheap little uh, tripod is also another great bit of kit. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I'm surprised, actually. I went and probably people say I should be buying Australian, so I might cop a bit of flack, but, oh, well, man, you know, money doesn't grow on trees these days. But I've been – I've got a few ball heads from, like, AliExpress, and people go, oh, AliExpress. Got, but I've bought some fantastic stuff that's last me 10 years from that website, like some a, a few bits and pieces. And, yeah, I've bought – I think I've got, like, a, a tripod. I think it was just an aluminium tripod. I've got a, a pretty good hefty ball head. And even the, the equivalent from Manfrotto here is probably about 200 bucks and – when you when you get the Arca Swiss ball heads, like I, I used to run the uh, Manfrotto, I think it was the RC2, I think it was. But then I went to the Arca Swiss through like, you know, obviously the AliExpress website. I mean, I think I spent, you know, $90 on a tripod and a ball head. And when I got it, I said, holy shit, this actually quality is pretty good, eh? Like it, it's, I'm actually shocked how good it is for the, for the price. And if you step it up to about 150 I mean, you can get carbon fiber, the, you know, as, and I did an uh, interview, you might, you, might, you might follow him on the internet too, um, Nathan Stewart from Edge of the Outback. I mean, he gave me a few tips about the Inarel RT-80C, I mean, to, to actually put your gun on top of, to, on the Arca rail to, to shoot from the tripod, you know, if you can't get on the ground or anything like that, or you're shooting from one position, you know, from the top of a hill and you can't sort of go prone on the ground. I mean, some of this quality is just absolutely fantastic. Are you, are you using a ball head or are you using more of a standard fluid tripod head? Yeah, I'm just using a Manfrotto with, with a ball head on top. Uh, it's just a, it's quite a cheap little unit as well. I think it was around the hundred dollar mark, and um, nice lightweight, easy to set up, nice detachable mount for the camera, and yeah, just super quick. Just to pull out the pack, set it up, and then and then I'm good to go. It's um, yeah, you've got to be careful with the old camera gear. It's a little bit like hunting gear. The old uh, <laughs> yeah. it keeps it keeps adding up and it keeps um, accumulating. It so it's just trying to nail down what gear you want, and uh, yeah. yeah. You're always trying to upgrade. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's the hardest thing. I tell people, say, well, what do you do? You know, like, because, you know, generally when you're hunting, you generally got to be zooming. They say, well, what, what do I do? A GoPro? And I said, well, yeah, that works. Like, I love the GoPros too. They're, they're fantastic for what they are. You know, set up the quick shots. You can just chuck them on the ground, get behind a gun, and that's your sort of extra, you know, sort of B-roll footage or whatever. But, you know, they say, well, what does I want to use? Like a mirrorless. I said, yeah, well, that's the problem. You know, you got to, sometimes you got to be, you know, it's a hard to get a lens that does everything you know like it's got enough zoom to be able to get you out there you know if you've got deer at say you know 150 to 200 you know depends on the zoom factor you know if you you know if you're going to turn around and try and hold the camera and talk on it sort of if you're talking vlogging about the hunt you want something that's just not going to show like your nose on your face so you got like you know a 16 millimeter or 14 or something like that and then you've got to shoot deer at like 300 so you've got to have a bit of a zoom so this is why i start buying lenses then all of a sudden i'm four thousand dollars thin going what the hell have I just done, you know? <laughs> yeah, so like I was saying, for guys probably starting out, something like that Canon PowerShot 68S, I think they're up to even 70 or 80 HS by now. And I think Nikon also do like a P900, I believe. And for a guy starting now, I think they're about the six, 700 mark, um, I think, around that price range. And they're versatile. They're a good way to kind of get a bit of an understanding of filming. You, you know, you can do your, blog, your vlogging style. You can zoom right in on that animal. The, the quality of these cameras is, you know, constantly improving. Um, so for someone starting out, I reckon something like that's a, a pretty good option. And it's also got a bonus that you also use it as a bit of a spotting scope. Yeah, true. And it's true, right? You, you're 100% right. People, you, you don't have to spend a lot of money, guys. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You just have to get something that's going to work for you and get out there and start making something. I don't know how many times, and you can probably attest to this too, how many times I, I've bought gear and you always think it's about buying the next best thing. Got to have 4K, got to have this, got to have that, got to have that lens, got to have this. But 
guys, I think it's just getting out there. And I think you probably agree with this, Jay. Just getting out there and start making something with what you've got. Don't worry about, oh, I can't make it if I don't have this lens. I mean, people get sort of, you know, and I get it too sometimes, gear paralysis. You know, you, you think if you don't have that piece of gear, you can't make that video. Well, just get what you've got and get out there hunting or whatever videos you're making, if it could be anything outdoorsy, you know, four-wheel driving, hunting, fishing, whatever it may be, just get out there and start making something. Don't let the gear, you know, paralyze you into making something. Get out there and don't, and don't worry what people think either. Just make you get, make it, put it out and, you know, enjoy it. 
you know, do your own hunting videos or, camp, you know, I do a mixture. I've got a hunting, camping, fishing, a bit of spare fishing as well and, and get them get them out there. Yeah, that's what good too. Like I've done a bit of that too, and that's what I like about yours as well. You know, you don't just concentrate on one thing. That's and don't I tell people don't limit yourself. I mean, we're all in this industry. Hunters are four wheel drivers. Hunters are shooters. Hunters want to know. I mean, some of the best videos I've got are about bloody four wheel driving, and you know, like my twelve volt system in my car. That's probably the more questions I get. Ah, tell us about your car. How's the old Triton going? Is it still going? Is it shit itself? Or you know, oh, I love the solar panel on the roof. Tell us about that. And I'm like, mate, these are getting fifty, sixty thousand views. And I think, well, but that's the thing. Most people are that are, you know, into hunting are four wheel drivers, and that's probably more popular than hunting. You know, people getting out there, spear fishing, four wheel driving, um, camping. Some of the people that just make camping videos are just blowing up huge. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's what I try and do. I try and kind of film what I enjoy, which is you know, hunting, hunting camping, fishing, bit of work on the old four wheel drive, the old Holden Road, eh? you know, giving it a bit of bit of love. It's um, just yeah, it's just I just enjoy filming what I'm passionate about and. And um, yeah, I think a few people out there enjoy it, which is which is great. Mm, and you're right, 100 percent right with that too. I had a I updated my system, but I don't know if it was it was, it was an issue at the time. But I was trying to use Premiere Pro, and it was like, hey, great program, but it was just getting bogged down. And I'm like, I mean, I just upgraded this thing. It's like this thing, yeah, you know, cost me like I built it myself and cost me like eight and hundred bucks, and that was no monitor, no nothing. So a pretty beefed up system. And then yeah. I said, I'm going to DaVinci Resolve. Everyone's rating it. It's free. I mean, I'm gonna probably upgrade just out of you know probably sort of courtesy to these guys with a fantastic product they make i mean go to that i think there's a pro version or something along those lines which gives you a bit more but guys even with the free version right people think oh it's free it must be crap oh no this thing is absolutely fantastic it's way more advanced than you will we will possibly ever be or ever delve into no doubt so don't feel like you're going to be undergun with davinci resolve i think that boss brought out davinci resolve 17 i'm a convert it's easy it's it, it's just I can't, I can't sing its praises high enough to be brutally honest yeah, I'm amazed. I'm blown away. It's a free piece of software. I don't know. Yeah, yep. it's crazy. So, um, yeah, definitely, guys, get out there and if you can download it, give it a go. It'll be worthwhile. What what's coming up? What can we expect in the future, man? For um, you know, videos. You obviously going to film some more. You got a state forest coming up. You said I think next week, and then probably film that and, and probably bring that to people. And yeah, what's coming up? Um, so my next video I think is going to drop next week, which is just preparing a euro mount. So I was lucky enough to to get a couple of red stags over the raw. So I'm just going to go through the process of, you know, preparing those from boiling the heads and actually getting those euro mounted, you know, for the, for the wall at home. So that'll be coming out. Uh, then plenty of New South Wales state forest hunts. I think I've put a bit of a poll on my YouTube and there seems to be a bit of a demand for that. So, and I'm, and I'm keen to get out there and explore it. So it gives me a, a reason just to, you know, let the missus know. So babe, I'm off for another three days to check out our state forest. So I'll, I'll be, um, <laughs> pumping those uh, videos out this this year and then also trying to do a few more how-to videos just to help new guys that are coming into into this you know into our kind of lifestyle um and just try and help point them in, in a direction or just pass on a little bit of knowledge you know i'm no expert but i'm always keen to pass on a few ideas or thoughts or or ways of doing things that i think work and um yeah i think i think people appreciate that and it's um it's been a bit of knowledge and of course i'm always doing a bit of camping as well so you know, I'm keen to get onto Fraser Island, do another Bribey Island trip, and and a bit of spearfishing and fishing. So it's going to be a busy year for me, but um, yeah, can't can't wait.
Yeah, every time I happened to look at some spearfishing, because I was thinking I did a, a podcast with a spearfishing guy just, just recently, and I was thought to myself, yeah, I'm going to start searching this, you know, spearfishing. It sounds interesting. I'm definitely going to do it. First thing that bloody comes up is typical is what's it like to be chased by a great white? I was like, ah, oh, shit, man. And when I watched this video, this great white chasing this bait, I was like, nah, nah, no, I'm not getting in the water. Screw that. It's out. It's done. <laughs> Uh, you do have that aspect, but um, like I heard the uh, the recent podcast with Isaac, and he's a he's a top bloke. And um, the old spearfishing, mate, once you once you get into it and and you get under that water, it's, it's it's another whole kind of adventure. So it's um you know hunting on land and then a bit of hunting in the water. So it's uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. Unfortunately, I don't get enough time. I I probably focus more of my energy towards the the death stalking, but I'll yeah try and find more make more time for for the old spearfishing aspect as well. Absolutely, guys. Final break, and we'll be right back. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including eight years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. Jace, mate, moving forward, any bucket list hunts you've got planned? I mean, not only just here in Australia, but anything overseas, so, you know, Canada, America, some Euro, back to New Zealand, anything that you really want to hunt, like any bucket list hunts at the top of your list? Uh, well, I suppose each year I always um, we always put a application in for the the Wapiti bugle down in Fiordland. So they do a, a, a ballot style down there to, to hunt the Wapiti over the bugle. So I'll keep um, applying each year. That's a pretty tough tough ballot to draw. So that's definitely right up there on on the old bucket list is to to hunt the Wapiti. I've been down there previously, um, but haven't pulled the trigger on anything. So another opportunity to to go hunt those uh, yeah amazing deer in that country would be great. Oh, the other species, I suppose, that is kind of on my list is uh, a water buffalo up in the Northern Territory. So probably about oh, eight years ago, I did spend about 10 days hunting pigs and catching barrow up in the Northern Northern Territory, which was you know, just an oh, amazing trip. But yeah, we don't mind um, yeah, giving a, a, you know, chasing the water buffalo around. I reckon that would be pretty pretty cool trip. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. Now, we always do this at the end of the show. This is people like it. They want to hear a story. So something that stands out in your mind is a, maybe a great hunt, you know, professional accomplishment. Man, take your pick. Take it away, whatever you want to talk about. But I want to feel like I'm there, mate. I want to feel like time of year, you know, summer, winter, the feeling. I want to feel like I'm there when I'm hearing the story. Yeah, no worries. Okay, well, let's, so let's go with the story of shooting my first deer, which was also a, a stag. So we'll um, rewind the clock about 15 or 16 years. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're back in we're back in the central North Island in New Zealand. It's uh, pre-raw, so it's uh, late March, and of course it's a cold, wet, miserable, miserable uh, week in, in New Zealand. So the plan was to I think it was maybe a first or second but kind of overnight trip that me and a mate were going to do. So we tagged up with um, our mates that were you know experienced deer stalkers from uni, so they were taking us on this trip. So we packed up the ute and. And headed off, you know, super excited and keen. So we we potted on off to the Tierra Widows, which is a uh, national park, or it was a national park in, in New Zealand. And uh, we arrived 
to the car park and we be- began the slow, I think it was about a four-hour walk up the valley and um, we actually drove late afternoon into the evening. So I think we arrived there oh, seven or eight o'clock. So it was cold, wet, but we were just stoked to be there. So, you know, we were, we were pumped. We walked in and it was a slow, hard slog in. It was um, the, the valley that we were walking up was, you know, ankle deep with water, very swampy, but we made it to camp and set up camp and had a few beers. Of course, our, our packs were loaded to the brim. So, you know, instead of packing smiley, it was loaded with beer and bacon and sausages and, and all the good things for four days, four days in the hills. So <laughs> yeah. we had a, we, we had a few beers and, and kicked back and um, we're up early the next morning. Once again, a nice wet New Zealand day, but um, I paired up with, with uh, a mate called Squid. So he was a you know, nicknamed Squid. Um, he was a bit of a, he got that nickname actually from um, his dance moves and some of the uni bars. So he was a bit of a, yeah, a bit of an interesting character. So I actually managed to team up with him and we, um, I was like a sponge because I was, like, was new to the sport or new, new to the hobby. I was um, just trying to learn as much as possible. And so I was following him around, you know, listening and taking it all in. And it was a good morning. We saw a hind, but didn't manage to get a shot away. And, you know, we're, as soon as we're late in the after, or late in the morning, sorry, ten or eleven o'clock, and we're sliding around this this bit of a bit of a gut, you know, super wet, just sloshing around. And then my mate just put his hand down, and, he said, and I, I looked at him, and um, he pointed, and there was a six point red stag just staring at me. And um, it was just that, that first you know, seeing that stag, and it's in the bush was just mind blowing. So I was lucky enough; I brought the bloody as a three oh eight. Oh, I don't even remember what it was. Just an old wooded trail weight that I had from the old man, and I pulled that up and onto his shoulder and pulled the trigger, and that's and his stag went down. And just the the, oh, the the feeling, the emotion when that happened, mate, being the first there, the accomplishment, the it was just just an amazing feeling. And that was, I suppose, one of the other things that really helped me to bear stalking. So we, um, Squid and I, you know, had the just sat there and just took the moments in and then it was, you know, then it was time to, to bone the animal out. So once again, I was learning everything I could, you know, gutting the animal, boning it all out, you know, utilising all the meat and, and loading it up. But, you know, that, that first trip of taking that stag was just, oh, I, I still remember it vividly in my head, just seeing that stag just staring at me and um, I've still got a head back in New Zealand. And um, to me, like, that's, that's a trophy. It was a scrubby six-pointer. But mate, to me, that, that six pointer, that first day, was just, oh, it's just a great, great, uh, great trip and great memory. And yeah, it's 15 years later, I still have that, that same passion for probably was sparked by, you know, from, from that trip. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, eh? How you just look back at some of these trips and, you know, just wish we could relive them sometimes, but, you know, time moves on and, you know, we just get older and older and older. I keep telling people, do it while you can, do it while you're healthy, do it while you can. Don't wait until you retire because, you know, chances are you may never get to, you know, get out there and have fun. Oh, definitely, mate. It's all about that's, that's why I push big time. It's, it's just get out there. If it's, if it's fishing, camping, hunting, whatever, just get out there and enjoy it. It's just um, it's such, you know, living in Australia, it's such a great country. There's so many opportunities just to get out there and enjoy it. Just, just do it and, and just make the most of it and love it. Yeah, oh, just, yeah, just so good. Absolutely, man. If they want to find you on, tell us where you are on uh, social media. So, I'm not sure Facebook, obviously, I know you're on YouTube and Instagram. So, where do they find you? How do they check out your videos? Even though we mentioned a bit earlier, we'll finish off with that. Yeah, thanks, mate. It's um, your yeah, Liquid Antler. So, on Instagram and then YouTube. 
Um, pretty much, yeah, the Instagram I keep everyone up to date on what's going on. And I'm trying to do a video at the moment every two weeks on, on YouTube. But, yeah, feel free to check it out and there might be something that you guys are interested in. So, yeah, cheers for that. And one question, I was said this during the intro and I totally forgot, but I just clicked, so I just remembered. How did you come up with the name Liquid Antler? Yeah, a bit of a, I don't actually know, quite remember how it came about. It was trying to combine my love of the ocean, the outdoors, and my love of bear stalking. So Liquid been in, in the water, spear fishing, fishing, and in combination, of course, the antlers and the bear, you know, you can't be mm. out bear hunting. So that, that's how kind of Liquid Antler was formed and it's probably been around now for four, five, maybe six five years now, so just a little bit of a side project I put together, and yeah, that's how the hell the Liquid Antler came together. All right, awesome, man. Perfect. Great show. So if anyone wants to check him out, Liquid Antler on YouTube and Instagram. So it's been an absolutely fantastic show. I hope everyone has enjoyed it. It was great having Jason on the show. Always have always good to have another guy by the name of Jason on the show too because a fantastic name. So, Jace, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Really appreciate it. Hope to talk again soon. Hey, cheers, mate. Thank you very much. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.